Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Finance for Students podcast. I'm Gavin Chang. And I'm Matthias Rhee. Uh, and today our guest is Nelson So. Uh, Mr. So, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, Nelson's just fine. Nice to meet you, boys. Um, thank you so much for having me on. Um, so my, my name is Nelson So. Um, I'm a chartered professional accountant, so a CPA. And um, my background is actually obviously in accounting, um, but more specifically in audit, um, where I worked at KPMG for about four years, um, left the industry to go work for private companies, uh, public companies, just to gain experience as an accountant, as a practicing accountant. Um, And halfway along my journey, I realized that there's a void in teaching financial literacy. Like we all work for money, but we're not taught how to manage our money, how to invest our money and how to build wealth so we can be financially independent in the future. So I took it upon myself to learn, grow, develop in that area of my life. And now my purpose is to give back and teach others. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how you've kind of like what tools you've used to teach others? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, the main tool that I use is through social media. That's how I get the most exposure. So on Instagram, uh, TikTok, a little bit of Twitter, LinkedIn, um, I, I get exposure that way through um, reaching out to schools, like, you know, talking to, to people like you guys, speaking at conferences. Um, in December 2021, I did a TEDx talk on financial literacy. So that's also helped gain a lot of exposure. And um, just reaching out when people ask me questions and trying to answer the questions as best as I can and grow, grow following that way. How do you think that social media affects financial literacy? I do believe that because social media in, I would say most cases is like a highlight reel, you know, everybody only shows their best in social media. Um, it makes, it creates unrealistic expectations for people. Um, so, you know, in a social circle, let's just say, you follow somebody who has, you know, nice cars and expensive jewelry and flashy clothes, you might feel less superior to them if you don't have that same level of material objects. And I think that's where the financial literacy piece is so important because a lot of the younger generation, now they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. They're trying to, you know, buy the luxury car when they can't even afford to, you know, pay for a house. Uh, Do you think you could tell us a little bit about the common mistakes that you see in financial literacy and how to avoid them? Yeah, the the number one is probably um, spending outside of your means. So a lot of people, they'll, you know, when you get your first job or you start making some money, you get that first, you know, $1,000 paycheck or $500 paycheck and you think that's a lot of money and you go and spend a quarter of it, you know, half of it, buying things that you don't actually need. So the first kind of pitfall is, you know, spending outside of your means. Um, The second one is not understanding the difference between something that you need and something that you want. Um, You know, like last week I was taught, I was at Nike, I was at the Nike store. I know Matthias, you're wearing Nike sweater. Um, I was at the Nike store and uh, this kid was asking me like, you know, how, how do you afford to buy these things? And I was just looking, I wasn't even buying anything. And he was like, oh, like these things are so expensive. And, you know, I think he said it as a joke to his friend. And then I said, well, are you guys going to buy that? And he said, well, how can we afford to buy these things when they're so expensive? And his buddy said, well, I'm just going to put it on my credit card. And I said, okay, well, who's going to pay that credit card off? And he's like, well, I'll pay for it eventually. And that's a lack of financial literacy right there because he's spending it before he's even earned it. And he's not thinking about the repercussions of paying interest on a credit card and all those other financial literacy things. Like we're going down a rabbit hole right now that I don't want to go down, but it's just common misconceptions like that when people just say, oh, I'll figure it out later or I'll just put it on my credit card. And I think people need to really start to understand money tools and how to use them. How do you gauge if something is out of your 
light budget? Um, for starters, for me, uh, if I can't afford it in cash twice, then I don't even think about buying it. So if you're thinking about a t-shirt, that's like say 50 bucks and you're like, okay, well, I have a hundred bucks, I can afford it. That's true, but you also have to look at where else you need to put your resources, right? Like if I'm spending $100 or $50 on a t-shirt, how am I gonna pay for my groceries or my rent or my mortgage, cell phone, car payments, etc.? cetera? Um, and I think it's important that everybody has a budget in place and they follow it because sometimes you might think you can afford it because your bank account tells you so, but your budget is saying no. How would you create a budget? Like how do you, how do you manage your expenses? Yeah, for me, I start with, um, I, I go kind of like top down. So I put in, you know, how much income I think I'm going to make that month. Um, and then from there, it's like, what are my fixed expenses? So I know I have like my, my mortgage, my rent, my housing costs. I know I've got my car insurance, you know, all that stuff. So anything that's like fixed. And then from there, you have like your variable expenses. And that could be um, groceries, eating out, going to the movies, shopping, whatever. And you budget for that. And most importantly, it seems kind of obvious, but I know it's not, is you want to spend less than you earn. And that's where the budget is key, right? So at the bottom of it, you take your income, less all your expenses. And if that number is positive, then in theory, if you can be disciplined to stick to that budget, you're fine. But where a lot of people struggle is they say, okay, I'm going to budget $100 for shopping. And then next week, these Nike shoes go on sale. And instead of, a, you know, 200 bucks, they're now 150 and you think you got a deal but you've blown your budget by $50. And that's where things go wrong when you end up spending more than you earn. Uh, what tips do you have for entrepreneurship and what tips do you think, or what tips do you think that students should follow when they attempt to be entrepreneurs? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think entrepreneurship is, because of social media kind of tying into your last question, social media has kind of made entrepreneurship this like, you know, sexy thing like everybody's an entrepreneur everybody's trying to be an entrepreneur and i know there was like for a period of time where they were saying like corporate jobs suck like entrepreneurship is the best way to go and things like that i think that if anybody's looking into entrepreneurship seriously the first thing you want to know is entrepreneurship is at least a 10-year game right like it, it's a long game and it's all the things you see on social media where you know they say oh you just I don't know, invest a thousand dollars and it turns into like 50,000 in a year. And then from there it turns into like half a million. Like that stuff is, I don't want to say it's not true, but it's very, very rare. And I think you need to take that entrepreneurship um, pedestal and with a pinch of salt, right? Because it's not always like that. And it's a lot of hard work. It's actually a lot of hours and it's a grind. Um, and I think that the best entrepreneurs are the ones that are the most financially literate. Like they understand spending within their means. Like a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs that I know and work with, they all um, are very, I don't want to say penny pinching, but like they're very savvy with their money. Like they, they'll try to save 500 bucks here and there, even though they're a multi-million dollar business, because it's the little things that actually matter. So um, I think the whole premise of this podcast that we're talking about financial literacy is probably the most important thing for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so before you were talking about uh, saving your money and how you can have the fixed expenses, but uh, students, we don't really have that. So if we do have money, what should we spend it on? Should we just spend it on like, like you said, Nike or what should we do with it? Um, I would encourage you to learn about investing and I would, I would encourage you to um, figure out what you want to invest in, what you believe in, like what invest in what you understand is what I always tell people. Um, and I think the biggest mistake that I personally made was not investing early enough. 
Um, we always say invest early and invest often. So if you're a student right now, um, perhaps your financial goal is in five years you want to buy your own house or you want to pay off your car or something like that. Then save your money towards that. But always try to put aside a little chunk of change to invest in your future. Because um, if we go on like a little compound interest calculator or something like that, and you put in 100 bucks a month for 10 years and invest that money, it's going to become a huge amount. How would you recommend that students learn about financial literacy? Well, they can either take my course or <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I do I do offer my, my course online. Um, I know you found it. It's like linked in, in my bio, like on Instagram and TikTok. Um, that's just one resource. There's a lot of other free resources. Um, so books, uh, watching YouTube, um, reaching out to like people who you think are professionals that you like, you know, that you trust and ask them for help. Um, I think that there's a, a stereotype out there that people who are wealthy or people that are doing well for themselves don't want to help others. But the truth is, is that the richest people, like the most wealthy people that I know are the most generous people. Like they just want to give back. They, they've already made it and they want to see other people succeed. So um, whenever I have people reach out to me, like I do my best to give back whatever I can. Um, if people want to enroll in the course, buy the book, whatever, like go ahead and do that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not selling it. It's more so like I want to help first. And if you feel the need, then, then go for it. Do you have any uh, books that you would recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So my financial journey changed when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, that book has a lot of mixed reviews. Uh, but I think that regardless of what people think of it, I believe that everybody should read that book because it opens your perspective about money. Um, depending on your kind of upbringing around money. For me, it was like save, save, save and keep it in a bank account, um, which might work for some people. But to build wealth, there's a different perspective around money that you need to have. And that's investing um, in assets, making your money work for you. And that book certainly teaches it well. What's your favorite investing vessel? Like what, what's your favorite asset that you invest in? Um, I... I can't answer one because I like multiple. I love investing in the stock market. Um, so for me personally, I'm an index investor. Um, I just invest in the S&P 500. I like to keep it simple because I'm not a very complex person when it comes to that. I, you know, I'm about the consistency and the patience and the long game. Um, so that's on the stock market side, that's what I do. Um, real estate side, I love investing in real estate as well. Um, I think any, honestly, I think that any option that you understand that you believe works for you is going to be the best option. Uh, how do you think that students can, because I guess real estate is kind of less known than the stock market. So how do you think students can get both exposure into real estate and then knowledge in real estate? Yeah. So there's, um, if students want to invest in real estate, I know it can be kind of daunting. So in a city like, you know, in, in, um, where you guys are in San Fran or up here in Vancouver, real estate prices are, are not low, like they're very expensive. And um, there are these things in the stock market called REITs, um, and it's an acronym REIT, uh, which is a real estate investment trust that people can invest in with as low as, you know, like 50, 50 to $100. And what that is, is it's, it's a company that owns, or, sorry, it's like a, how do I describe it? It's like a share that you own in a company that owns multiple properties. So it could be commercial, it could be uh, residential real estate, and you own a share of that. So you're part owner of that real estate um, trust. And that's a way that people can get in with a lower amount of money. Um, to learn about real estate, again, I would go to YouTube, I would go to books, 
Um, I would go to people who've done it before and it could be even be like a relative or like a friend who owns property and just ask them like, how do I get started? Or, you know, the same questions you guys are asking me today, what were your downfalls and what were your wins? Well, that's really interesting. On your uh, website, I saw you mentioned that by 30, you had no bad debt. What's the difference between good debt and bad debt? Um, great question. So debt is debt. It's money owing. Um, but I like to classify good debt and bad debt because I think there's a huge differentiation between the two. Bad debt is any like high interest, unnecessary debt. So that's like holding credit card debt if you don't need to. Like I know, I want to start by saying like I understand everybody's got different circumstances and sometimes you need to leverage yourself to to make the ends meet and and I totally get that. But it's people who are out there buying clothes that they can't afford right to, to live up to that keeping up with the joneses thing and paying interest on purchases that you really didn't need to do um so that to me is bad debt so anything like credit cards where it's 19.9 percent line of credits where you're paying you know, prime rate plus i don't know six seven eight nine percent it really racks up quickly good debt is debt that you take on to purchase an asset or to purchase something that will eventually bring back value in the future. So something like a mortgage, to me, I consider that as good debt. Two reasons. One, you're buying an asset which will produce income or capital appreciation, meaning that it's worth more in the future. And the second reason is that usually mortgage debt is lower, uh, lower interest rate. So that's how I see good debt versus bad debt. Is it worth it going to college if you have to take on large amounts of student debt? I think that... Um, Baseline education is like is very important. I think everybody needs to have like a baseline education. Um, do I believe in taking, say, six figure debt on to get an education? I know, for example, like doctors, you probably they're probably taking out six figure debt. Personally, and this is going to raise some flags like I, I don't believe so. I don't believe that it's worth it because the amount of time it takes you to complete that schooling and the amount of time that it takes you to repay that debt, like you could come out of school and get a decent paying job, go be an entrepreneur and make more money that grows over time if you invest it the right way. But that's not to say if you're passionate about, I'm gonna use doctor as an occupation because I know it can be expensive to go to med school, plus it's a long time to complete that um, certification. If that's what you're passionate about, if that's your purpose in life, then all the power to you and go for it. But if we're talking strictly from a financial perspective, do I believe that taking a six figure debt to go into a job is worth it? I would say no. Do you think that hiring a CPA is worth it? <laughs> I'm going to be biased when I answer that. I'm going to say yes, because I'm a CPA. I run my own consulting business. Um, and I believe that a CPA's ability to understand more than just the numbers in a business or personal um, is what brings us or what brings an additional advantage than just somebody looking at your bank account going, Hey, Gavin, you shouldn't have spent $100 at Nike or hey, Matthias, you shouldn't have spent, you know, $300 on your car payment. Like there's there's deeper things to it that we look for, um, whether it's like psychological spending habits or, again, having the discussion about needs versus wants. Can you afford it? Mortgages, et cetera. There's a lot of different topics to talk about. Uh, I think that's all of our questions. So do you have any final comments or something to leave the audience with? Um, at this moment, no, but I think that what you guys are doing is incredible. And, um, I hope that people listening really, you know, do their research on financial literacy and understand the mo your money, because at the end of, at the end of the day, we all work hard to build our education, build our careers to earn money. And if you don't make your money work hard for you, then you're just working hard for nothing. So 
Um, I really hope that all of our listeners here can um, gain some insights from our conversation today, maybe dig a little bit deeper into your own financial situation and start today and start building your own financial independence. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Uh, so Mr. for joining us. And uh, thank you to everyone listening. You're thank very you. welcome. Thanks for having me.